Welcome to the Women in Film and Television podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella, I'm a producer and I'm also a board member of Women in Film and Television Ireland. Would you like to know what it's like to direct on a big budget production? Well, last April, our vice chair, Yara Valdich, spoke with international TV director Hannah Quinn about her craft, how she got started and her progression from a trainee AD director to a director on large scale, large ensemble TV series. Hannah also gave advice on what it's like to direct projects with budgets both big and small. Hello everyone, you're very welcome again to another WIFT Ireland event. I'm Chair of WIFT here, Susan Liddy, and also your board member on WIFT International. So today we've got another great In Conversation event, and I know from the numbers who have signed up that you are very excited to hear from this woman. Uh, Director Hannah Quinn, uh, well, what can I say about her? Her star is on the rise, that is for sure. She is a woman on the move. And um, from our point of view, it's really exciting to have her for, first of all, because her, her roles range uh, and her work ranges from shorts to documentary, to film, to television. And of course, we all know that she is associated now with some pretty big productions on Netflix. And we'll be hearing more about that in a while. So if I can just for a minute, just think that Hannah is just to say this, Hannah is really uh, important as an individual because, of course, we admire her. We love her work and we support her. But Hannah is also very important because we know that there are not enough female directors out there. We know, and we know if we look at the stats, and I know I won't bore you with them right now, but we know that, um, you know, the more women are, they're out there directing, the more female voices can be amplified, the more female hires there will be, the more female story worlds are going to get that focus. Um, so, you know, there's that side of it. And the other side of it, and I think this is really important, it's that young kids, young women, women that aren't so young also, women who didn't think of directing before, to look at Hannah Quinn and say, she can do it. That's Hannah Quinn and Hannah is very relatable. Uh, maybe I can do it as well. And I think that's really very, very important. So uh, no pressure whatsoever, <laughs> Hannah, just with all of that, just don't worry about any of that. Um, so I'm going to hand you over now to my colleague and board member, DOP, Yarrow Valdek. And Yarrow is going to steer us through Hannah's work and her career path. Uh, I know we're all very, very excited. So I'm going to be quiet now and say to you, take it away, Yaro. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Susan, for, for the lovely introduction. And thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today. Um, I am very excited to speak to you. Uh, um, how's your day going so far? <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we will share that together, but hopefully it will fall off quickly. This is just a friendly chat to, to let people know about your work and hopefully give them a bit of insight into, um, into the work that you do and your career progression. Um, so if, if, I mean, Susan introduced this so, so nicely, um, you are a very uh, like well-known and respected filmmaker, a director, and you have also had um, um, a, a lovely year spanning career as an assistant director. So my first question to you is uh, just to start off easy. Have you always wanted to be a director? 
No. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, no. So how did that happen to you? I, no, not at all. I I was a lady for so long and it wasn't, God, I was probably 20 years in AD before it started to occur to me that maybe I could direct. Um, and it was people like Susan Liddy and uh, Liz Gill doing the Equality Action Group and, you know, reading research by Dean Davis of like the women aren't directing. And of course, I hadn't worked with many uh, women directors either. I had mm -hmm. worked with amazing directors like Ashley Walsh and Lisa Mulcahy and even Liz Gill when she shot her film. Um, and some European French filmmakers as well, but the majority were men. So I just didn't see myself as the mm -hmm. director. I was always there to serve the vision of the director and they were mostly male. So we were, we were the uh, facilitators. And um, mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was actually, it was a kind of an involuntary thing that made me want to direct. My, um, my sister-in-law, Liz, Liz Quinn, had um, written a, 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 a short, a tiny play, which was on the project, and, um, or Fishamble, yeah, the project. And I went to see it and I thought that would make a lovely film. Why doesn't somebody mm -hmm. make films like that? And then I realized, because I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that film was called Sanctuary. And um, myself and Liz, uh, we adapted into a short film and I tried to get money to make it from the film board. And, it was all baby steps. It was all just mm -hmm. okay. Um, it, it was, it, it was, it was about, it was, a, it was about a relationship that was breaking up, and they didn't kill mm -hmm. each other at the end, or the women, woman didn't get murdered, and the woman didn't kill the man. And I thought, God, they actually just resolved their conflict wow. in, a, <laughs> in a quite a wholesome way. And yeah, so God, I'd love to see stuff like that. So I kind of stuck at it and tried to. Um, tried to get some funding for it and then I realized I'll just go and make it and I'll mm -hmm. ask my friends and I asked my husband Tim who's a DOP to shoot it and he did and friends of ours came down and we made it in Cairo where I'm from in Connemara and my parents put us up and um, fed us wow. and <laughs> We got, you know, uh, we got help with the equipment from John Leahy and it was just, mm -hmm. it was just, it was a really lovely experience, but it was hard for me. It was like, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know what. And, and it became, I suppose um, it was, it was once I'd done it and once I'd put it out there and edited and had to put it into, into film festivals and get it, started getting good feedback. It's like, okay, maybe I can do this again. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. it sort of cemented that idea of directing and I was still ADing and you know the ADing is the bread and butter for yes. <laughs> like yes. up until 2018 I think was my last AD job I worked on yeah I, I looked at your IMDB that's <laughs> and that was fabulous it was such a great last film to do as an AD because <laughs> it was a magical film mm. but um but I mean it was about the making the baby steps because I had done a screenwriting master class or master course master mm -hmm. screenwriting masters in Dunleary mm -hmm. and I thought okay I could maybe maybe I have to write a, a feature script and mm -hmm. that's the way to direct or whatever but the rejection was cruel <laughs> you know screenwriting is very cruel okay just, yeah so, so tell me Hannah so like once you got that first taste of directing in your first short film did you then, did you then like consciously start uh, like imagining yourself in that role and then pursuing opportunities or, or, or did you like start letting people know that that's what you want to do and then things started opening up for you or did you just go 
uh, like cold blood and pitched for a project out of the blue or how did that happen no um it was very much um process of elimination and just learning from other directors paths and I could see that a lot of directors male and female had gone through the soap route in uh, through EastEnders and Coronation Street and I thought yeah. well, maybe if I could do soaps you know that's an amazing training ground for any director and I recommend anybody to go and do it I mean it's not suited to everybody it's it's an extraordinary like you can be shooting 30 pages a day and you're very much a cog in the machine but it's an amazing training experience um for directing because you've got to shoot so much every day mm -hmm. or you know two, two episodes at a block or whatever um and so I, i'm a great believer in putting out into the universe what you want and then red rock turned up in ireland and i thought yeah. well, there you mm -hmm. go there's a great soap series and i applied for the shadow director scheme Okay. Um, Lisa Mulcahy and Screen Training Ireland and Paula Heffernan had set up and mm -hmm. um, I applied for that and I got it and I worked with Lisa and she's amazing um, just just full of wisdom and advice and just taught me how she directed and let me sit in on everything and had me doing all the extras while I was shadow directing and yeah. <laughs> she, she was brilliant and it, that, that and, and from that um, the following year Paula Heffernan offered me two episodes of Red Rock, which was my first um, broadcast television work. And mm -hmm. that went down quite well. <laughs> and, uh, but I was still ADing and mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really, I didn't know if I, I mean, once you have even two, even um, like you can do a multicam course, even here in Ireland, like you can go with that to England and maybe get work on the soaps over there. They've got quite a bit of work. Mm -hmm. But uh, I suppose I wasn't prepared to move over just <laughs> straight away because of uh, I was too small. I had two small kids at the time. Mm -hmm. and they're a lot bigger now and they're telling me how it is. But um, so, uh, yeah, so the following year, Paula contacted me again and I was still ADing. And she said, Hannah, will you do Rosie for Paddy Brunk? And I said, I will. But can you put me forward to pitch for any work, for any okay. directing work? And she said, funny now, there is a job coming in called Blood. And it was for Virgin Media TV or TV3 at the time. And uh, and I went in and I pitched for it. And, and I got it, amazingly. <laughs> so well, it was just chopped. It was two, wonderful. Two, two blocks. And uh, Lisa Mulcahy was doing the first block. And I got the second block. And uh, yeah, so that was... Like, will I keep going from there? Like, no, I, I, I mean, I've got loads of questions, so I can jump right in there. But uh, you're actually offering, um, offering me the ends in there because I wanted to ask you. So, so uh, basically, uh, once you once you uh, did a, uh, like a job, that's when you started vocalizing to people. This is, you know, you want to go that way, and you got your opportunity on blood. And I, as you said, that you went in and you did the uh, second half after Lisa. Yeah. Um. So I want uh, my question is uh, to to the actual creation of those series. Like, how do you how do you come in on something that's been prepped by a by a, a, or started by a different director, and how much do you have to kind of conform to the vision that she or he has established for that for those series? Well, and how much creative input do you have to? to to uh, affect any any sort of maybe visual or the the tonal um aspect of of, of the episode 
Well, coming in in the second block, and because it's a, just six parts, Lisa set the tone. Obviously, she set, she picked the locations. She had picked all the lead crew or lead cast, lead crew. Kate McCullough is was the DOP, so we had mm -hmm. that consistency throughout. And um, you just bring in your own instincts, really, when you're um, doing your episodes. You bring your own ideas to the writer, Sophie Petzl, and. Jonathan Fisher, the producer, and say, what about this? Or can I do this? And um, I'd like to try this. And, you know, there most of the time producers and writers want you to bring your, your, I suppose, your personality, your vision, your instincts to mm -hmm. the show. And um, especially if it's, you know, if it's, if, you know, because then you can make it a bit more your own as well. Um, and mm -hmm. also your, um, your relationship with the actors probably changes things a little as well. Um, so you might see something in their personality or their 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 way of portraying the character that you like that hasn't you know as as the story goes as well you know certainly for thrillers where in blood we're trying we were all trying to guess who's who who's the killer who's the, mm -hmm. who's the bad guy here so you know you're playing with the characters quite a bit um, without giving away the game <laughs> yeah yeah. And so when you so when you get the the scripts for your episodes, um, how um, likely can you say say if you just have an idea how, how that something would work much better, or um, maybe as far as dialogue goes, you just don't think that certain dialogue is yeah, right yeah. for what, what's yeah. going to happen? How much how much influence have you got there? Do you just have to stick <laughs> with what is on the page? And oh, absolutely. I'll read through with all the actors and all the and the writers and the producers. And and I mean, I was there. Lisa had let uh, had generously let me come on all the tech recies and uh, the read throughs and everything. So I was there from the beginning in the prep of the show. So I'm very mm -hmm. much on board with their vision for the show. But um, yeah, your ideas are welcome. And, you know, if every, we all like steal the best ideas. So you're always going, okay. if it doesn't work, it's not going to go in. But if it does work, of course it's going to go in. And, you know, there's this kind of, um, you've got to try and read the room as well. You don't want to be saying, that's really shush, you know, yeah. if it's their most favorite idea. Yeah. But you're going to suggest something that you think just does not make sense. And it's bonkers. And you might come across like, you know a bit stupid but you'll find I find that they'll come back to you maybe a couple of day, uh, days later or even in that same meeting and go actually yeah that does make sense so you do okay. have to be brave and you do have to stick your neck out a bit and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. say what you're not sure if they're going to like but you know you want to own the script and you want to own um, your direction of it so you have to understand it and if you feel it doesn't work or you don't understand it and like Many times where you go, I really don't get it. Can you explain it to me? Or how do you want this portrayed or whatever? And they'll explain to you. Or if they don't, you just, and you still don't get it, you just shoot the script and give okay. the options on the day. And you'll feel it when you're directing it, whether it's working or not. And uh, and it's useful just to have other options. Certainly for television, you've got to get a lot of coverage. So um, mm -hmm. I would uh, make sure we have options there, you know? Yeah, that's a great advice. And I'll just to say to people, you know, you have to, you have to be brave. I know, you know, if particularly maybe when you're beginning, when you're first getting these opportunities, uh, you, you, you don't feel that you can say something, but um, just to hear other people, you know, reinforce that, you know, 
yeah. producers they want you to make it your own go go for it or ask if you're not sure ask that's oh, great yeah. advice <clears throat> well it's very much communication um mm. business and a collaborative business so you really need to trust that you know that people want yeah. to make it better and they want to work with you and you didn't get the job you know for yeah. not giving your ideas and not so you're there yeah. to um bring your vision to it and and your mm-hmm. idea so yeah no they're always welcome everybody wants to make the show better yeah, yeah. and many more so, ideas are better than none so <laughs> that's that's so true so hannah when you're uh, when you finally get a chance to be in the room to pitch who are the people that you're pitching to and how do you gain uh, confidence like how do you convince them to have confidence in you to give you the job um usually enthusiasm <laughs> i'm so okay. excited to get to pitch for the job i'm like i love this or i love that or i didn't quite get that but i see where you might be going with it and i um i'll read a script a few times and i'll think of ideas of how i can how i'd visualize it and maybe use references of other films or tvs or, or tv shows just so that they know where i'm coming from and then that gives us a, a dialogue of how we'd like it to go what t- tone it should be or um so yeah just use everything that um i suppose i have in the arsenal of ideas of mm-hmm. um how how you know and also asking questions you know and finding okay. out what they want but what i would normally do is do some not too long but visual document of how i see the characters being portrayed or um mm-hmm. certain um images that i see of how i'd like it to look and um anything that pops like when okay. you know when you're reading a script you can imagine what it looks like i'll try and find an image of what i'm trying to say because sometimes i feel i'm not very articulate but picture tells thousand words and that's our medium so yeah you, you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh, Okay. And so, who are these people that are in the room? Who do um, you pitch to? When, it when would be uh, usually um, if it's it's usually the writer and the producer. Um, okay. There could be a few producers. There could be several <laughs> writers. There could be. There might only be one person. There might, but it's usually um, two or three or maybe four. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. So, so you basically do you like do you at all concern yourself with the with like wanting to be liked or you just just go there and hope that they like the idea um yeah i mean because it's a kind of a conversation so you're 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 trying to see what they want and they want to see what you want to bring to it and um i don't i mean it it, it was terrifying at first i think and and it always is actually it's still a bit scary going into do a pitch because uh you you're also given a lot of yourself you know and mm. you have to be really open and um that's that can be hard and yeah. it's actually been really good for me um directing because i've had to kind of tap into the creative side of myself you know <laughs> for so many years i've been on the technical facilitation mm. side and the mm. logistics and and now i have to go you know this is okay this is so it I challenges am. you in new way very much so and it's mm. you know the you're relating personal um stories that have happened to you of why that script speaks to you and mm-hmm. that's always very interesting for um a showrunner or a writer because then you can connect with the material 
a lot. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah, I would always try and find something, whether it's in the theme or a part of the story that, you know, I've experienced that, or I know someone who's experienced that, or, you know, I know mm-hmm. how emotionally hard that is to go through. Um, so that's going to resonate, you know, as a, for, for actors as well, that they can feel, you can feel what they have to bring to the screen yeah. <laughs> to yeah. understand yeah. their pain. <laughs> Absolutely. And what are the kind of stories that you most gravitate towards? What are the themes that you like, um, you like to work with? Oh, anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of soppy, so I love emotional drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Family drama>. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, burner is anything that makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, I love being made cry by, uh, by anything really. Um, story on the radio, you know. I, I, mm-hmm. um, I love seeing all the new stories now about women. I mean, it's just fantastic. You know, it's like I can actually mm-hmm. connect to these stories on the screen. <laughs> fantastic, you know, because yeah. Um, I think we were getting quite fit. That's probably another reason I started directing as well. I have two sons and I want to see them see complex women on the screen and see other women going through um, stories. And uh, mm-hmm. and as women directors, we're probably going to, you know, veer towards more women-centric films, if, mm-hmm. if not more well-rounded women in on our on our on our screens or in our whether it's, you know, whether it's a male lead or a female lead, we're going to try and bring out the most in the character of that woman, I think. And the men, you mm-hmm. know, because we want to do that for our sons, you know, that they're not yeah. so one-dimensional. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And uh, so do you find yourself, um, like, what would be the composition of, of the crews um, and creatives that you work with? Do you find that over the years, like, as you said, you've had about 20 years of just AD work. Do you find that um, it's getting more gender balanced these days? Or um, would you say there is still, like, progress to be made? Definitely more progress to be made. Um, I did work on one film a few years ago, which was 60% women. And it was like, we were all going, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) We couldn't believe it. What was the movie? What's the name of the movie? um, Sacrifice. And um, I don't think, I've never seen it. I don't know what happened to it. But, you know, there was a lot of women making it, which was great. The the director was a man. (laughs) All right. There was a lot of women making it, which was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I know I'm just working on Valhalla there, and that's very still tipped onto the male side, but I can see a lot more women coming into the, um, coming into the fold and it's great to see them behind the scenes much more so um, mm-hmm. but yeah there's still like Cameron Sanders still predominantly male and electrical predominantly male um, and I know that they are the HODs are trying to balance that up um, just okay you, you see that happening in your own it's everybody is definitely trying to make a better effort yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. And certainly for directors, um, there's a huge drive on for getting more women directors. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know about DPs, but <laughs> I'd like to think that there's more DPs getting calls. Well, we can talk about that later, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I often, or we women on uh, in film and television, we often see not often but when we see say training opportunities it often comes with the words for um, emerging 
um, say directors, writers, like we have these, this training or shadowing opportunity for emerging talent. Mm -hmm. And um, recently during our conversations, we, we agreed that um, a lot of us and myself including, we are emerging uh, in our 40s, you know, some in yeah. our 50s. So I just find, like, I wonder, um, I wonder if there is some sort of um, shift or a mindset that needs to be changed to to make maybe execs realize or those in power realize that emerging doesn't necessarily come with uh, um, the tag of 18 years of age. Do you do you find that um, maybe the opportunities on on projects that you work uh, on for women have been um, uh, maybe balanced, not balanced, but um, uh, how do you say it? Uh, have have been uh, attached to the age of these applicants? No, I don't think no? so. I definitely don't think that the age factor has been geared towards younger people. It's very much, I think it's who can do the job. I don't think it's mm -hmm. age. I do Wonderful. think that women, um, in, like I only started directing in my early 40s and I found that, I, st I, I think what happens is then when you're in your 20s, like my, my son's girlfriend, um, she's listening now, <laughs> she's, Oh, she's doing what a lot of women in their 20s are probably doing, going, oh, do I go career or do I go um, babies? Because I have to raise the human race. Mm -hmm. And I do that in my 20s, 30s, early 40s, whatever. But I can, how do I do that and balance a career? And um, I I think that's what's happened. I would, um, there's Sheryl Sandberg wrote about this in a book called Lean In, where she said women ha have already decided in their 20s, I better not go for anything big or that'll be a big career move because I need to raise children and, yeah. and, and continue the human race. So how do I do that? And it's really difficult. It's really, you need your tribe around you. I couldn't do it without, you know, a partner and my mother and my sister, not a chance mm -hmm. that I have raised my kids. I mean, I'd be gone at five in the morning and I wouldn't get home till eight at night. And I couldn't mm -hmm. think about my kids during that time. I'd go to work for a break because they're yeah. all encompassing. Yeah. So it's really, it's really difficult. Um, um, so, but I, I would like to recommend that everybody goes for it uh, in their early ages and try in their early years and just tries to balance it and, you know, demand that, you know, you've got to consider that I've got to, I don't have a choice here. I have to bring in, raise these kids and, you know, ask, ask for help and, Mm -hmm. and get your partners and your family on board and uh I, I mean I've I've just been really lucky with mine I know I know you know it's not everybody is lucky to have a family around them too but you know whether yeah. I've had tons of old pairs as well so you do find a way to <laughs> to raise yeah. you've got to find a way and and um and we like I know lots of women in the film industry that have worked um and mm -hmm. had their babies and it's hard, um, but we've done it, and uh, we are still here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think I think now um, there is a there is a new uh, initiative. Uh, the uh, Irish chapter of Ra Raising Films has uh, oh, been yeah. born, and uh, that's an organization that actually Susan, Dr. Susan Liddy, is a 
a member of. Uh, I'm not sure now, Susan, in which capacity, but I know that you are involved with them and so was, you know yeah, they want fun. to improve the condition for for women and for carers who, yeah. who work in uh, film business. No, I, I'm, so. I'm thrilled to see that because when I had my first son and I was 25 and that was my idea at the time as well. It's like we need uh, like a traveling um, trailer and that's our crash and with the crash goes, the traveling cr trailer crash goes round and round all the sets and picks up all the babies <laughs> and the women <laughs> and. Uh, so I'm thrilled that it's happening. It's like 20 years later, but it's happening. And but it's got, yeah, it's definitely going to make it more possible for, for women to, to have careers in film. Yeah. So, um, but I don't want to just get stuck on that topic. Um, I, I also, like, I've got loads of questions of my own and I received some from, um, from friends who, who wanted me to ask some questions. So one of them would be, um, what are the big, uh, or the biggest differences between directing episodes on a, on a smaller budget show uh, as opposed to something bigger, such as I, I presume what was uh, Valhalla for you. What were the biggest adjustments you needed to make? Uh, it's still the same job. Um, it's mm -hmm. There's just a lot more people. <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot more yeah. people. But there's Does a lot. that make you more nervous? No, like, it's actually easier because there's more resources and okay. more time and there's more, I mean, it's very stressful on um, indie films, but at the same time, it can be more relaxed. So it depends really on the job. It's the same. But it's say, what if, what if uh, there are things such as stunts uh, that you haven't directed before? Um, so, so do you then just have more people to help you work through them? Is that is that what happens? So you have you have people to lean on. Yeah, I mean, you've got all these talented crew around you, like everybody who's done hundreds of other jobs, and you're going to use all of their ideas and all of their skills and put them all in the pot and pick all the best ones and take all the credit. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so there's just there's um, th like. Yeah, obviously there's bigger stuff, there's stunts and you're using mm. bigger equipment and you might have larger scale extras and um, battles or whatever, but it's still it's still the same job to direct them and make sure that you, you get what you need and you get mm -hmm. your day and you have a coherent scene, you've got enough footage to put together mm -hmm. a coherent scene. But I do find, like television used to be, or is can be much harder than working on films. Um, I started my career in films and everybody's working mm -hmm. on the same project and we're all yeah. goal orientated towards the same end goal of that film. Whereas on television, if you're if you've different blocks, you've got the whole crew is stretched. They're trying to work mm. on the first one, prep the second one, prep the third yeah. one. And it's it can be really stressful um, on television for that reason but um but and, then, and then you still need to maintain the the high quality of cinema like make a cinematic cinematic project yeah so exactly. so how do you like how much the uh, actual pre how much prep do you get per episode and Perfect. is that different between small budgets to big budgets um i think you get a lot less a lot less prep on bigger budget um shows because 
Um, I don't know why, but you do. And <laughs> um, maybe on lower budget, you have more prep time. Be well, I don't know, actually. You probably On lower, no, on like soaps, for instance, you might get four days an episode on Valhalla, mm -hmm. you'll get two weeks per episode. Um, you know, and on the film, you're on for many, many weeks before you shoot or many months yeah. before you shoot, yeah. And uh, are you are you um, like allowed to invite to bring your own HODs or some of them, or do you do you basically have to go with whatever has been set up by the production? Yeah, most of the time, um, the production has got the full crew already on board. Um, I was able to bring my DP on a couple of um, productions on Fate. Uh, on mm -hmm. Vancouver, it's the same DOP, Peter Robertson, who's brilliant. And so it depends on the production, really. Okay. So, so where you can, you try. And if you can't, you just go and, and, and yeah. do it. No, you say, I'm not doing No, you just go. <laughs> you can't stomp your feet and just demand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell me, so so say say well um, um, with Valhalla, like when you when you done when you're done shooting your episodes, um, how much um, involvement do you then have in the post production? Like uh, as far as editing goes, and then maybe selecting music or uh, you know grading everything that comes with it. How how much involvement is there? Um, you've got four that? days per episode to edit. Um, but oh. the editors are working through the shoot. So they're compiling and assembling your your um, your footage as you go along, if they're not working on another episode, which usually they are. Mm, okay. um, yeah, so you're, you're editing as you go through the shoot and you're putting together your assemblies mm. and picking music that might work or um, sound effects or whatever that you think might help. But reality is you hand it over once you've done your two weeks ed uh, edit and um, then it goes to showrunner then it's got to go to netflix it's got to go to mgm um, then peter's got to do his grade and uh, the sound department to get involved but um, that's all in-house in, in a, a in a post house yeah. in canada so um, they're very much working on it as a whole so it's quite consistent you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um so can it happen that maybe maybe the like the edit ends up being something different than what you wanted yeah yeah and do you then okay do you then have say if you really hate it what do you yeah. do i would say it <laughs> okay yeah but you know you might you might not be um like given the chance yeah. to change it right you may yeah. say it but no it's it's not your vision anymore it's back to the showrunner and um but you can yeah you can always say it and say can you just go back that little bit you know but um most of the time you're just you're gone you know and okay not your baby anymore so uh, that wow that's I would find that very frustrating uh <laughs> but uh I mean that's television <laughs> yeah I understand so so do you do you have a desire to go to features um you've I know you mentioned to me that you're currently um set to direct the can yeah. I say it <laughs> yeah absolutely no I love them I love and just for that reason I think where everybody's focused on the same project um the movies are where it's at so 
And television has been a big star for the last few years. You know, we've had some incredible shows and, you know, Mm -hmm. amazing resources put into them. But I think the movies are making a comeback, which is exciting. Um, I'm I'm doing a second unit on directing the second unit of a film called Disenchanted, which is equal to Enchanted. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to be doing for the summer. So I'm pretty excited about that because it's um, wonderful. Disney. (laughs) And who, you a, you're the second unit di- director. Can you tell us who's the first, or is that a secret? No, Adam Shankman. He All did, right, wonderful. He so did, no, he, go ahead. Did you, did, you, did you see a film called Hairspray? I have not seen it. I know of it, but haven't seen it. Yeah, so he did that. And oh, uh, it is a musical, correct? It is a musical. Yeah. Okay. I. I yeah. I. Well. I, yeah. I am aware. That's a. Uh, an impressive uh, um, piece of work and so like do you how do you how do you collaborate when you're the second unit director what kind of how does that differ from all around the director and pick up all his plates and his stunt work which he can't get completed (laughs) and um, I'm not going to be you know like I think it's just such a big show that we're on full-time and mm-hmm. watch all his rushes or stand by with them on set and pick up okay. where they can't, you know, we'll pick up the, the inserts and all the plates for the animated little animals and <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So is that is that a, a new kind of work for you? Um, it's new in, yeah, I mean, it's new in terms of being the second new director on a big movie like this, yeah. Um, but in terms of the work, it's, you know, I've done VFX and um, mm-hmm. worked to the director's vision for years as an AD. So I get it. I get okay. that I'm his, my job is to make him look good. And I'm, I'm really up for that. So mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. make the show, pick up all the stuff that we need to complete all the scenes. So, yeah, it's, I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. About it. Fantastic. Congratulations on that and good luck. Thank you. Uh, um, and uh, I want to ask you, have you, this is a question from also a friend uh, who is a director. Um, she would like to know, how do you, like, how do you deal with uh, maybe an actor that, that is being a bit unruly, like a little bit, uh, uh, doesn't want to maybe do what you ask, or how do you assert your, um, how do you say it? Uh, I talk to them. <laughs> I just talked. Well, what, what is it you want? What do you want to do here? And how can I help you? And how can we come to um, a meeting of minds? And um, uh, you know, and usually you'll do their version. And mm-hmm. I find what happens is once you talk about it, um, they'll come around to your idea, or you'll come around to their idea, or um, what? It's never never happened where I've you know, has anybody walk off or anything? Actually, one one actor tried to walk away at one point <laughs> and, because we, we were in this midgy swamp and he was getting really upset with all the midges and he kept having to do this and I was yeah. like, mad. And eventually he went, fuck this, I'm leaving, I'm going for lunch. And I had to stand in front of him and go, we got to do it now. I, I just need those two words. That's all I need. That bit of line and that bit of line. If you could just, just put it together. And he went, right, okay. And he stormed back and he did it. And um, okay. and it was great. But, you know, most of the time it's, 
it's uh it's just it's just talking it's about making them feel like look i i get where you're coming from but you know this is the script this is what we're going mm. to we've got to shoot we can do another version but you know what they might not use it so you can do both whatever you want. and most of the time they go oh actually yeah no let's just do it and they'll do it and it's fine Okay, so just just kind of letting them see that you're human and you showing them that you you acknowledge their struggle with it and just yeah. trying to communicate it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's you know, great advice. If you if you start getting stroppy back, it's just like two reactions against each other. It's just yes. yeah. yeah, that's so true. Um, so uh, uh, Hannah, when um, when you I wonder what, what's the progression of like getting in the door to get to do the pitch and then no sorry let me start over do you need an agent in order to get your foot in the door to do a pitch or do you let no let's 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 do that do you need an agent to get your foot in the door as a director to pitch for a job um I, all my jobs have come through my own connections but you know mm -hmm. i had worked for 20 years <laughs> as an ad okay. so you know it started like getting um red rock was mm -hmm. um applying directly and getting the job to paula heffernan who saw me working as shadow director and then i got blood i got to pitch for blood through paula heffernan and uh, my next job was because blood was seen on channel five and Red Productions had seen that and they contacted my agent who I had at that stage and asked him, uh, for, asked me to pitch for The Stranger. Mm -hmm. And then once you do, like, like Blood was really, for, for such a small show, it, it got seen quite a lot and it was, it was really successful in its own mm -hmm. right. And um, so I think once you do something that gets seen, um, you just kind of snowball a little bit from there yeah and you're not only as good as your last job and I mean you go into every job going I have no idea how I'm going to do this but I have an idea and you just work it out step by step by step and mm -hmm. I think um, agents are brilliant for kind of protecting you in terms of like I'm terrible at negotiations so I just go that was my next <laughs> question yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. and agents will always you know want to work with you if they can see you're getting work as well so all right um, I met my agent in LA actually I had done uh, my first short film my bunny and I went to mm -hmm. LA and I showed it at uh, the Newport Film Festival where it won an award and I met her through my husband and mm -hmm. she rang me a year later and said Hannah they're looking for European women filmmakers you know would you can I represent you? And, uh, um, and uh, oh, that's wonderful. You didn't have to chase it. No, I didn't. It was great because I was working, you know, and I, um, yeah. I think I had applied to an agent and she didn't respond. And I thought, well, she did. She thought, oh, yeah, I like your short or whatever. But, you know, it's when you're getting the work, then you're going to get And they find you. <laughs> yeah. My, see, my question, and you hit, you hit that. Uh, I was going to say, like, how do you negotiate? the best terms for you if you don't have an agent because I find it difficult uh, to kind of say this is what I'm worth or this is what I need <laughs> uh, but but when you I presume then as you said when you have an agent they kind of steer those discussions or for, for yeah. you and also they know what the market is and they know what 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 you normally would get paid for that mm -hmm. project whether it's you know they'll find out what the budget is and they'll find out 
um, what, for instance, BBC and ITV, they've kind of got set rates of for directors. And depending okay. on your experience, it'll go up or it'll go down. Like um, mm -hmm. I started off from quite um, low pay, but it, it's going up incrementally as I get the bigger jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, but yeah, they, they just know the market. So yeah. that's where you right. can trust them. And if you don't have an agent, just ask your friends, ask them what they're getting paid. <laughs> and, okay. nobody, yeah. and and because you don't want to devalue their rate either. So you do need to ask and talk to each other. I mean, it could be quite isolating for directors and obviously for DOPs as well. So mm -hmm. and for all HODs. So if you but, can talk to other people who are doing the same job. Then do or, that. Yeah, mm -hmm. or even if you, if you don't, if you know, if you don't have somebody you can talk to, you could always ring an agent and go, I've got this job, will you represent me? Or do you know what kind of, oh, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. that's, a good, that's a good, good advice. Great, thanks. Uh, I, I have a, I have a questions coming in from uh, coming in from our members, and I want to encourage everyone who's listening if you have a question for Hannah, please put it in the chat or the QA section of the, of the Zoom window. So um, I, I'm going to go and just dive into one here. Um, um, do you have, Hannah, uh, any advice for working with actors? And that's actually something um, I wanted to ask you as well. My question is, do you have influence over casting when it comes to, uh, say, big series like uh, Valhalla? And then follow up, what's your advice for working with actors? Uh, no, Valhalla was pretty much cast. Um, I did get to get a, a small part for my sister-in-law on it, which was brilliant, mm -hmm. which I didn't even get to direct. Emer Conroy, our brilliant second unit director, um, she directed her mm -hmm. in her scene. Um, but no, Valhalla is cast um, pretty much um, from the get-go. Um, Blood, I was able to cast a few small parts. Um, Intergalactic, I could cast a few new parts on my in my block, I had Deirdre O'Kane mm -hmm. for one of my parts, but we were shooting Dylan Galactic and I got shut down during COVID. So we never got to actually shoot the scene. Okay. Um, and uh, what else did you ask me? And the, yeah, the follow-up was like, what would be your like advice for working with actors? How do you make sure that you get the best performance out of them? Are there any tricks <laughs> up your sleeve? No, I don't have tricks. I just talk to them. <laughs> I literally talk to them and make sure we understand what this group, what the scene is. And um, if uh, anybody is feeling unclear, it's really conversation, you know, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we read the scene together and we might just uh, talk through, talk it through basically and make sure we understand. Mm -hmm. At Whatever. Do you have an opportunity to <clears throat> talk to your actors extensively in prep, or um, like you don't? Is that you don't have that much prep? So how does that work? Yeah, no, I'll try and always talk to everybody um, before I get to see them on set. It's really hard, especially for day players coming in. Yeah, and they turn up and they've got one day, and they've got to suddenly do their bit in front of hundreds of pe new people. So um, mm. really you try to get to, and then it just can be too mad and you just suddenly realize, oh my God, I haven't spoken to this person before we actually shoot and it's awful, but it's fine. You know, everybody's professional. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no one, Valhalla, we had, um, I, I came in early because I was, I was getting a bit nervous that I wasn't, I had such limited prep and I was nervous that I wasn't going to get the actors offset and yeah. enough time to, to talk to them. 
And luckily I did because our scenes got pulled forward. So we actually had a few, we had actually got time to talk to each other before, which was such a relief. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because suddenly, because the main unit had shut down for a couple of days or the first, second block had shut down. We had to come in and do our, our uh, a few of our scenes suddenly out of the blue. And so I was kind of grateful. So the sooner you can, you just get in there and talk to them. And they really talk and to everybody. Build a friendship, build a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it is about you know it's kind of a family atmosphere, you know. So mm -hmm. sooner mm -hmm. we get to know each other and gets to trust each other even a little bit, um, it's easier, you know. You can yeah approach yeah. each other and talk to each other about anything. Wonderful. Um, I sorry, I've got questions coming in from different areas, so <laughs> I apologize if, if the segues aren't as elegant <laughs> as oh. they could be. Um, I have um, uh, I have someone asking, going back to to the series Blood. Someone yeah. uh, asking, um, what did your pitch consist of when you pitched for Blood? Um, it was set in Mullingar or out in the Midlands somewhere, and I so I drove out to Mullingar, not Mullingar, um, Edenderry, and I drove around and I took pictures of what I thought the house would look like and what the landscape looked like. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I put together some more photos of um, uh, characters that um, I thought of when I was reading the script. And I talked about, it was because it was, there was a lot of gaslighting in the story. And so I mm -hmm. talked about that and, um, I uh, talked about family relationships and I've got quite a big family. Um, so, <laughs> I I, yeah, I mean, but it was the woman at the center of it, Kat, her character just intrigued me because she was being gaslit so much. And, uh, you know, that sense of women being thinking they're mad because everybody's lying to them around. Yeah. And it just really kind of, it spoke to me, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, as, as I'm sure it speaks to many of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and the reference, the film references I had for it, uh, I think I was using history of violence, and I um, uh, can't remember a couple of others, which Sophie Petzl, um, she was thinking the same lines, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, just okay. anything that kind of spoke to me about the script I talked about. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that uh, your husband is Tim Fleming, yeah. who's a who's a brilliant DOP. So I wonder how how do you seek his help when you're prepping for pitches? Do you consult yeah, do. with him? Um, I, uh, I do. I ask him, uh, does anything occur to him that I'll talk to him about the story or uh, and I'll ask him what he can what he can help me uh, contrib contribute to, it, um, especially if he's going to be shooting it. Tim is, well, is mm -hmm. really into it and he's a great encyclopedia for films and these scenes he watches mm -hmm. and um so uh yeah he's it's I mean your DOP is just you know he's your brother in arms as well on the set as, yeah. <laughs> as, well as your first AD so yeah. you want to start working together immediately on how are we going to do this and what is our look going to be and how are we going to put it together and Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's brilliant to have him here on tap. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> um, would you say would you say it's important that a director uh, learns um, as much as they can about cinematography so that they can 
kind of relate with yeah. their DLC on on set or or even to just speak about the concept for the film? Do you think that matters? I think so. I think it helps. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I take a lot of photographs. I I mm-hmm. I'm I'm a snapper. You know, I'm always taking photographs at all our family events and of my cats and of my kids and anything going on out there in the world. I've, so I'm really into composition and I'm really mm-hmm. into light and that kind of <clears throat> is, um, you know, Tim's bag as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I do think it helps. <clears throat> I also can be a bit stupid about it all as well and go, can you just like make it like, you know, I don't know. I'll say something like, and he'll, he'll have to figure it out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the job of a DOP, right? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to close, but far away, but like, yeah. and, um, you know, because I might be busy. And anyway, he has his own ideas of how it's going to be. And if he, um, and like he, we'll both have an idea and we'll come together on, how it's how we want it to look and I mean at first I was doing the shot list and I was doing the writing out my shots and all and now I don't um I I will if I have to certainly for stunts or for the effects or anything like that mm-hmm. it's, um it's it's just much easier to follow to go on set and have an idea of how you want it to look block okay. it through with the actors and then um, you know, obviously beforehand, if there's anything major like a crane shot or anything that you're going to need and you really want to have or underwater shot, obviously you're going to prep that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh-huh. um, but on so talk to the designer about colors and the costume designer about colors and looks and everything. So all that kind of stuff you prep, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not going on set and making it up as you go along. No, <laughs> but there is an element of the collaboration of everybody on set working it out together and the actors and how they're going to be. And they might want to stand over there, not there where you thought they're going to be. So, yeah. And you want to give them that freedom as well. But um, so are you like, when it comes to a TV show, you're pretty much kind of going and knowing that you have to shoot for coverage. um, No, not not, like certainly for long dialogue scenes, you know that they're Hmm. probably going to chop that down. And they're going to want to find places where they might need to cut that bit out. So you want mm-hmm. to give them the the showrunner, um, you know, a chance. If the story's not working once we get into the edit, they might want to be able to take a line from here and move it to the end or whatever. So you do want to give them coverage in terms of that. Um, but for quite a, you know, an active fast scene, you know, you might shoot that in a one-er or, you know, maybe a, a wide and a close-up just um, to give yourself a chance but but is that something that that then you have predetermined or or it just comes from say watching the blocking as as you enter enter into shooting that scene i just tried to figure out because like in my experience i i prep um you know i i still work on short films and i'm hoping to upgrade but so when it comes to short films i always have everything prepped to to a shot you know and everything storyboarded and I I just try to uh, as a DOP figure out how does it work on in the real world you know on these big shows like so if you go in without storyboards uh, how do you decide with the director um, how to cover the scene when when you only have a certain amount of time for it and and uh, yeah so go 
it just depends on the scene. I mean, you might have amazing ideas for lots of ways to shoot a certain scene and you've only got half an hour left in the day. So you're going to figure it out in the day and like you just come up with the solution of how to come yeah. the scene as quick as possible in the time allowed. And yeah. if that's two handheld cameras, then get on with it, you know, and okay. just um, but um just as long as you still get the essence of the scene of how if you, like the good thing about prepping as you do is you've got a plan, but you have to be able to change your plan on the day and you have to be able to, and because you've prepped so much, you will have a lot more ideas if, you know, you can't shoot in that location or that actor can't, you know, isn't available or, you know, you've only got them for a certain window or, um, you know, you somebody has gets blood all over their costume and you've mm -hmm. only got one take. Do you know what I mean? You've got, you, when you've prepped it as much as you have, you will come up with solutions on the day. And yeah. also you've got a lot of creative people around you who are going to help you figure it out. You're not alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you can get a bit scared about it or you can just go, how are we going to do this, lads and uh, lassies? <laughs> Let's yeah, yeah. Okay. Out, you know, because well, the main thing I feel, and probably just because my AD training is you've got to get your day and just shoot the day because there's no point in you being in the edit with the missing chunk of the story. So whatever way you've got to get it, get it done. Get it done. Yeah. That's brilliant that you do have this background uh, because I find on, on shoots that AD is the, for me, the most crucial person there to, to really make sure that we get everything done and to help you <clears throat> in a way, uh, like brainstorm of what, what you could do with the director if, if you're running out of time. So I, I think you had a really good prep, long long prep uh, to put you in the best possible position as a director. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but also once you're in that in that zone, in that mode, and you've done your prep and you know your story and you know your script really well, you will come up with solutions pretty quickly on the fly mm. because mm. you have yeah. to. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I imagine. But it's also good to hear that it sounds like uh, these environments are very supportive. Like, I, I think a lot of us maybe who are uh, getting to, to the next jobs and getting to the bigger budgets, maybe we worry that, um, you know, there's so much pressure to be perfect and to deliver that maybe we forget that people do support you. But it sounds like you, you have that experience. Yeah, I mean, I just from working with directors over the years, what I noticed is that if they got a little bit insecure and afraid of what had to be done for the day, they couldn't hear all the solutions and they mm -hmm. couldn't see them because they felt that they were failing and they were feeling inadequate. And so they would sort of turn in on themselves and get mm. insecure. And it's like, no, no, we're actually here to help. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> no. And that, and I, I, and I can understand why that happens, but um, I think if you can let go of the ego and just go, yeah. <laughs> we still got to do one. the job, and yeah. let's just get on with it. And you have all these skills around you, use them. I think that's a big problem mm -hmm. I've noticed over the years: people not using all that creativity around you. Like, like all those ideas and clever people, like people yeah. working in film, are you know really like Irish crews are the best in the world so you have that experience working here mm -hmm. um because we're so 
I suppose we've had all the training from all the British, American, European companies have all come in. So we've had we've had all the systems. We've learned yeah. all of them. We've had the big stars and the indie films. And so we've seen so many solutions over the years. So mm-hmm. you, you know, like the props department will have solutions. You can imagine. Why, why, God, why didn't we think of that? It's so simple. You think, oh, God, it's got to be a big, big BFX thing. Yeah. Oh, it's just, you know, a bit of smoke and mirrors and, <laughs> yeah, use all the skills. Brilliant. Uh, fantastic. So, um, um, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a few questions that I that have accumulated here. Um, actually, one of them, I, I've got a couple of documents here. Um, what is, so... If you could, if you could kind of give some encouragement or uh, <laughs> advice to to women who are hoping to kind of follow in your footsteps, um, what would you suggest? Um, like, what is what is the the quality they need to try to maybe work on or to have to to be effective or to be not effective but successful? In pursuing a career in directing as a as a um, sorry in TV directing, um, I think um, don't stop working. I think um, don't don't take the rejection to heart first. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we could all use that <laughs> that advice. Trust your instincts and. Um, I mean, as my mother would say, make friends with everybody. Like I just mm-hmm. have made a huge uh, amount of connections over the years from working. I mean, my path, I think, was a great path. You know, I got to work on all these brilliant films and um, low budget, high budget documentaries, short films. Like I worked for free I because I just loved what I was doing. And like. I would just say work, <laughs> do the work. I mean, people, mm-hmm. you can make a film for nothing nowadays um, on your iPhone. I know that sounds really like shit, but like I would keep applying for, um, uh, like I would apply to, you know, the production companies in Ireland and let them know that you're available, that you're a director and 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 don't wait for them to call you, you know, just keep making your films. Um, mm-hmm. I... I, I I recommend the soap route. I think you can learn a lot from it. They're crying out for directors um, up and down England. Uh, and it, is, I know say say with like Fair City, they just recently had a call for uh, you know directors to learn multi-camera directing. Yeah. So do you do you know in your experience is it like do you wait for these calls to come about or do you just approach? Uh, All of them. Uh, uh, the, like the production companies or the the TV stations and say I uh, this is what I want I want a break yeah no I'm a big believer in asking for what you want and even if you're not saying it to that person say it to the universe <laughs> I so agree with you I, I do you, I do I just it put out it there. there just put it out there because then it formulates in your own brain and you yeah. go oh that is what I want and then if you see a little um a little I don't know a, a little signpost you're like oh my god like red rock popped up for me and I was like oh my mm-hmm. god that's what I want and then yeah um I would yeah I would apply to everything it's very hard because rejection mm-hmm. is hard you know not to get a call back and not to get anything but if you've called everybody and everybody knows that you're interested and available um 
I mean, I did try to write my own films and, you know, maybe if my film, is, my script is amazing, then somebody's going to throw money at me and I can make my own films. And <laughs> it was so destroying, you know, because yeah. all your love and the heart into writing <laughs> months and months and months and you sent it out there and then you waited another one year for it to come back. And it's like, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you really want to work, just work. Just work. That's, I mean, training um, AD is a great start for um, young people and not just young people as well, but um, I think uh, it, ADing and production, like even, you know, getting into the art department if you're more artistically inclined. And um, I just, I mean, there's so many people who've come in, you know, even working as uh, just runners and even in catering, like they've moved into. Mm. filming because the magnet is there and yeah yeah I hear what you're saying yeah but I just I'm just gonna step in there and just say so um I earlier I touched on this thing of um, emerging yeah. you know like who do production companies consider emerging director and I know from the women I work with that a lot of them have emerged later and so I just wonder what is the path for a woman in her, say, early 40s who hasn't got the last 20 years to fall back on because she, she was a yeah. production assistant or something and, and she wants to direct. I wonder if that, if that is still, if it's still about sending it out there to the universe, like here I am, I'm 40 and I want to direct. <laughs> but like, do you go and take a runner job at that point? Well, I was, I was 43 and I got a, job as a shadow director you know um and uh, if a, a woman in her early 40s is um uh has probably got quite a bit of work behind her to show that I can do this you know and I don't know if the paths I can only speak from experience like I got mm -hmm. a shadow director I went and got two episodes the following year you know um so um but do you think that would have happened if you didn't AD before? I what I, I think it would have happened. I don't think mm -hmm. it happened um, because I had, you know, I had I, I had done my short film and I was doing another mm -hmm. short film, so I had proven that I could. And also, yeah, um, Lisa had given me two scenes to direct for her mm -hmm. episodes, which was amazing to step into her shoes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and she was very funny. She gave me very little notice, but she, at the beginning of the show, she made me prep the whole four episodes that she was doing. And she said, okay. I'm going to make you do one of those scenes. And so I had to right. go, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic that she did that. Yeah, so she's amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know, it, maybe, I don't. Or maybe this is an unfair question on you, um, you know, to be asking oh I mean I would love I would love the magic wands and I would love to have all the answers <laughs> <laughs> I can only talk about what I did yeah. um yeah I don't want to like disregard my my 20 years as an AD or 25 years as an AD you know that was super super valuable to me and that's why mm -hmm. I'm leapfrogging I think from from the perspective people saying yeah. oh, we're just going up and up but it is because set work is you know second nature because I have had mm -hmm. all that experience mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, if I mean I don't know if people are calling 
on emerging directors. I just don't see that happening. I see them calling people who they can see have got a body of work who are capable, who are mm-hmm. um, able, and they prove themselves. They've made these yes. amazing, I'm, I know so many people have made such amazing films and should be working all the time. And yes, mm-hmm. they haven't been probably because um, they were women for a long time, but with this, there's a, there is definitely a bigger push nowadays. So mm-hmm. I don't, no, I'm not saying they should go back and be a runner and be a trainee AD, but although I would say that my husband, he um, was shooting films for 20 years and then he went back and was uh, became a, a, a trainee clapper loader in his late 30s. And All right. Yeah, so he wasn't, I mean, he had to start way, way at the beginning. But so, why, why was that? Uh, by, by the way, I'm really interested. I'm not sure if our listeners are, but why, <laughs> why, why did he do that? He did it because he wanted to get into the big movie business. Like we had been working, um, making short films and um, in Galway. And we, uh, you know, you, we wanted to make a living. Like I mm-hmm. was very focused on um, being practical and earning a living. So I wasn't, I mean, in the early 90s filmmaking in Ireland, unless you were Neil Jordan, you weren't going to make money, do you know? Um, So the way to make money was to be crew and have to make a living was to be crew on on a film, on a, you know, Mm -hmm. big budget film or on television. And so I I wanted to earn a living. I was not interested in being a poor and starving artist. (laughs) I really wasn't. I (laughs) I wanted to earn money. I wanted to, like, I think my first job paid me 120 quid a month and I was delighted delighted yeah rent and you know and 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 I I worked as a temp secretary as well between trainee AD jobs just Mm -hmm. just to keep going and just to be able to be available for work if you got one day yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's so important to keep that availability there but if I if I if I if I didn't want to go out back as a runner I would go and apply with my body of work as a filmmaker in my early 40s and I would go and work on the soaps and I would think there is huge openings for um, women up and down the country there they are crying out for directors Mm -hmm. over there and And you learn so much from those jobs mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. you really do and do you uh, just just out of curiosity and maybe you don't have an answer for this but um, would you would you say that women who who want to follow this advice they they should contact the production companies right that's that's who you go to and, and if you say if they don't have an agent you... to apply for them, then apply directly. You know, sometimes yeah. there's schemes that open up, um, but uh, there are like hundreds and thousands of people apply for them. But I would, I, I would, uh, yeah, I would directly apply. I mean, what have you got to lose? They're going to yeah. say no. That's so true. <laughs> and if you, if you, um, if say, if I was a woman who wanted to direct. Uh, and I wanted to uh, shadow a, a director I admire. Would you say that there's a route there to approach the director and ask them for shadowship? Absolutely, or yeah. Would you say that's not, no, don't do that? Of course, yeah, no, definitely apply. And um, and Screen Training Ireland are actually funding P- um, uh, shadow directors. Like it's not, I think, I don't know, a few hundred quid or something, but at least it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lena Doyle came and did shadow directing with me on Winks um, mm-hmm. last year, and she's done some beautiful shorts. And she's still writing, and and she, she's still holding down a full time job. And you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, no, absolutely. 
because because I, I I'm I I have a feeling that some of our listeners might <laughs> be interested in this particular uh, question because a lot of them admire your work. So to say, if it came your way, absolutely, uh, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't shut it down. No, not at all. I okay. mean, I think because of COVID, a lot of that has been shut down over the past year. But um, it's been amazing that our industry has kept working. You know, they put in great resources so that we could keep working and keep spending, like in a recession, entertainment just keeps working. Yeah, well, <laughs> we find finally see how important it is, don't we? You know, yeah. um, wonderful. Uh, Hannah, I have one more question here and, and it's to do with screenwriting because you mentioned that you wrote uh, a few things. Yeah. Um, so um, do you think that, that there's going to be more of that in your future? Do you want to? keep going that way writing your own things and producing your things or or for for now you're happy where you are um yeah i know i'd love to i've got you know we've like us all we've got lots of ideas of how to um of what we want to see on screen <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, um it's um I, sp i just find it so painful um like many of us i find it so painful i love it when i'm doing it but trying to get to sit down and do it is excruciating and then I feel really bad about myself and then I'm beating myself mm. up and oh it's just it's so painful and yet when I do it I love it um or when I finally finish something I'm like oh well done you know they hate mm. it but well done mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you probably, um, you, you yeah, no, I would I'd would, I would love to um I'd love to see a couple of ideas about women that I, I've just really admired. Love to see um, their stories on screen. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more of an appetite to see our our heroes up there uh, and uh, yeah. stories about and and see their stories. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So um, I we are now uh, coming to um, I mean, what sixty seventy minutes of chatting. <laughs> it's it's been wonderful so far. If if um those of you who are listening to us, well, uh, there aren't any others. <laughs> please send us uh, your questions because I think um um we're getting towards the end of our discussion. So I want to make sure that I ask uh, everything that you guys have posted here. Um, but maybe just just um kind of um here is like this almost philosophical question here. Um, from one of our listeners, it says, um, it is said that there are only six stories which have all been done before, uh, one way or another. Um, how do you keep creating and to preserve originality in your work? Because we're question. unique human beings, we're all unique. So that's going to bring a, 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 a unique point of view to whatever character or whatever story is mm -hmm. has been told a million times but as as individuals I think I think that and that and that was a big driver for me when I started directing I had to like get over myself and go mm -hmm. yes you do have a unique view on the world Hannah and to own it and that was a big kind of step for me a huge kind of um it was a huge step for me. It was really hard to say that to myself and go, trust yourself, use your instincts and you, your experience is unique and nobody else has ever experienced stuff the way you have. And 
and yet that's totally relatable because um, we have experienced so many this, of the same stories, but in our own different ways. So mm -hmm. it's always nice to be surprised in storytelling. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something that we, <laughs> we love when we see something that surprises us, don't we? Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I have uh, another question here. Um, um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, mm -hmm. how would they do it? <laughs> it's okay if, if, you're, if you're not. <laughs> not an odd. I'm sorry, but I kind of put you on the spot here. I, I'm sorry. Email me. <laughs> email you. Uh, is, is your email, can, can I share um, yeah. an email yeah. with, Han with somebody who expresses interest? I put it in the chat here. I'll just write it oh, in. Oh, wow. Wonderful. You are very generous. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, I have to say, I, um, I remember when you, when you talk about trusting yourself, I remember the, when I was, when I got a big opportunity to shoot something, it, it was a kind of a step for me in my career, I, I got so nervous and just terrified. And would I, would I do the job right? And I remember my husband spoke to his best friend uh, whose wife is a painter mm -hmm. and she was about to have her first show, you know, uh, in a gallery in Berlin. And, uh, uh, and she was just, just in bits, just so nervous to show off her work. And the two of them, my husband and his friends were talking and they said, and they said to each other, why are women just so terrified that they, they can't do something or that they will not be good enough? And they said, if someone came to us and said, hey, can you direct a movie? We would say, yeah, yeah, we can. Mm -hmm. Never having directed anything, they would say, yeah, sure, give it, give it. Uh, and uh, and I think women, um, in my experience, often look to see if we tick all the boxes. Yeah, uh, that the job requires, and maybe if we don't tick a box or two, we don't apply, or we don't think we are the right person for it. But um, it sounds like you went through something maybe like this, where you just had to say, "Yeah, I am. I am that person who can do this." And yeah. and I did, did. Was there any like specific say person to, that helped pushed you there, or you just got to it gradually on your own? Um. Yeah, I know I've got some great advice over the years. Um, I've been um, been through lots of like self-doubt. But I do have really supportive people around me who say, Hannah, you can do it. And if okay. you can't do it, you'll figure it out and just do it step by step. And there's my cat. And um, you do, you just, you just have to give yourself, I mean, you have to go through the pain of it and the cringe of it, of going, oh my God, I'm putting myself out there. I can't do this. But... Um, and you can't sleep and it's painful, but um, I just have to go right step by step, just go back to the script, break it down, break it into little pieces and do the bits that you can do and then just mm -hmm. keep moving forward and keep moving forward. But um, there's nothing worse than that paralysis, which is usually all in our own head. <laughs> yeah yeah it is really, yeah it's really it's really painful um but if you just go step by step um you'll find that it's it's just it's just one step in front of the other you know you'll find okay but i did that bit so and i i, I went through that all of my first short film how painful that was of like mm -hmm. oh my god i have 
to apply for funding. I have to write this and then I have to apply for funding. And then I have to actually, you know, come up with the money to do it myself. And and like, then I actually have to direct this. I mean, literally the first day of filming, I came home crying my eyes out going, it was terrible and I'm terrible and I'm shit and I can't do it. And my husband, Tim, who shot it, sat me down in front of the rushes and said, shut up and listen and watch and watch what you did today. And I watched yeah. it and I cried. No, I don't. Okay, it's not so bad. <laughs> I, I have an identical experience. <laughs> and I cried after a first day on a shoot on this, you know, a, a big step for me. And I thought I just completely screwed up. And then the next day, the director approached me and said, I thought you were brilliant yesterday. And I, I actually said the night before, I said to my husband, I was crying and I said, I want to move out of Ireland. <laughs> I don't want to finish this. <laughs> and so I think it is kind of, it is all in our heads and we need to surround ourselves by people who are going to have our back when we're weak or, or you know, when we're not, I'm not, I don't mean weak in character, but just yeah, when we're losing it. Yeah. And, and yeah. A, another person said to me, Hannah, just become like water. If there's a block and there's a rock in the river, just go around it. Just go around, find a way, you know, don't let that rock stop you. Just keep moving, keep be like water. <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. I have to say, I, I hope that it's, uh, these words are inspiring to our listeners, but it, just me, I am really, I feel inspired and encouraged to keep going. Um, and the, I think that's maybe the best, best time to wrap this talk now, because um, we are coming up to an hour and a half and I, I, I've had so much fun talking to you, Hannah. Um, no, you, you gave us so much insight into your work, into the process and, and just kind of like, how do, you, how do you trust yourself? How do you keep going? So it's been very valuable. Um, I'm, I'm actually reading here from people and they're all saying thank you. Um, and, you know, you have, you have been very helpful. Um, so I'm going to end it here. I would like to wish you on behalf of uh, with um, just the best of luck with your next uh, project, Enchanted. Thank you. Thank you so much. The best of luck with the whole career. <laughs> Which well, and to you, Yaro, and to everybody. And if I can help or advise or anything, just please let me know. Um, more than Wonderful. Happy. We have that email there uh, in the chat from Hannah. She kindly shared it with, with us all. So please go to chat and have a look there. Great. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you so much, uh, Hannah. Having me. All the best to you. <laughs> and uh, have a nice evening, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Since this talk was recorded, we're absolutely delighted to announce that Hannah has joined the board of Women in Film and Television Ireland. This event was hosted with the support of our funders at the BAI. If you liked our podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe. Find out about our upcoming events and how you can support the work we do by logging on to wft.ie.